Today's episode is brought to you by Make Modern. Make Modern Magazine is a digital magazine especially for modern quilters. Each issue features at least 10 projects with full patterns for quilts, minis, pillows, and more. Make Modern is also packed with feature articles on the latest happenings in the modern quilt community and interviews with quilt superstars. Sign up for a free six-month trial subscription exclusive for Walshy Naps listeners at makemodern.com.au slash Walshy Naps. Hurry because the offer ends on March 15th, 2018. Thank you so much, Make Modern. And now here's the show. Welcome to episode 115 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about building a career in the sewing industry with my guest, Matthew Boudreau. Matthew Boudreau of Mr. Domestic learned to sew as a kid, but never really got into it until he had his daughter, Helena, who is now four and a half. He thought it would be a great way to connect with her if he could make her cool clothes. With a new motivation to up his attention to detail, the quality and coolness far exceeded even his own expectations. Once he started posting his projects on social media, the quilting world quickly took notice of his fearless use of color and print, incomprehensibly fast output, carefree enthusiasm and humor, and ability to seek out, acquire, and share new skills. Making projects from fabric weaving to English paper piecing to apparel to the three-dimensional, you can find his fabric party on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Mr. Domestic. Matthew Boudreau, welcome. Yay! Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to talk with you, and um, I was excited to meet you, however, briefly at QuiltCon a little while back. And um, so I want to sit down and and hear about your background and and how you got to where you are today, because you've had such tremendous success. But first, uh, you have some really exciting news to share. So I was excited to have you on the show right when your news broke. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with you right now. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Breaking news. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm the newest um, fabric designer for the Angles division of Art Gallery Fabrics. Um, it's totally bananas to me that this happened because it wasn't anything that like I could have like foreshadowed or foresaw. And um, it was a lot of work and I'm so excited because you know me, I'm very transparent. I just share everything. I'm very out. But this I had to be... Um, like secretive and stuff and it was killing me like that was the hardest part just like not being able to tell anyone like I think two people on the whole planet knew um so I'm just excited I could talk about it yay Yay. so when did you first know um it started in November oh yeah so it's been a little Uh, while because we're recording this in February so yeah that's been a few months okay yeah I can see how that would have been a burning (laughs) secret Um, So I want to trace back a little bit about how you came to this point, because I think, you know, becoming a designer for Art Gallery Fabrics or for any of the major fabric manufacturers is really a dream come true for a lot of people, a lot of quilters and designers. Um, And so I think it's neat to kind of go back and go through the winding path that led here. So you grew up in the Houston area? I did. Yeah, I grew up in Houston and I kind of learned how to sew from my mom. Like she has this um, epic 
craft room that she was always cleaning. And now that I have my own, I totally understand that it's always a work in progress. So I kind of learned there by observing, but like I wasn't super encouraged to sew. So I, um, I didn't really get into it until I was an adult, but yeah, I grew up there. Did she, and I know you have a sister. Do you have more than one sibling? Yeah, I have, um, they're all half siblings, but I consider them full siblings. So from my mom's side, I have an older, two older sisters and an older brother. And then I had another sister who passed away that I was close with. And then from my dad's side, my biological dad, I have um, one sister and one brother. Okay. So were you not super encouraged to sew just because you were a boy or just because your mom? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like I was discouraged, like necessarily from her, but it's like all the messages that I got. And like growing up, I knew there was something different about me that um, I tried not to identify with things that were quote unquote feminine, like trying to hide um, something that now is pretty obvious for anyone who knows me. Um, so it's more the messages that I was getting from like peers and like from my stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. My stepdad definitely discouraged it. Um, so it's more of that than anything outright from my mom. Right. But definitely there were messages that were like, no boys don't. So. Right. And I mean, hopefully that's changing, but I actually think there's quite a few boys out there today who are still getting that message, sadly to say. No. I know. I, but you know what? Some of the favorite, like I get, I get lovely messages from so many people. Some of my favorite ones are from like parents of boys who found me and are now encouraged to sew. Like even now I'm getting a little misty about it. Like, yay, I'm having a small impact on changing that. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. So, okay, so did you go to college for like a creative field or were you not sure, you know, that 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 was where you wanted to head? Like I've always been very like intensely right brain, left brain. Like all throughout high school, like I did speech and debate and then I did theater. So it's like I did both of those and I was like um, really into like academics. But undergrad, I went to undergrad for theater and speech. So I still did both of them. And then I have two masters. One master's is in communication and then the other one is in business administration. Wow. Okay. So super interesting. And um, and were you making things or taking photos or doing anything sort of with your hands throughout that period of time or yeah, just all throughout it's like I if if I don't have something creative going on, then it's like I'm totally out of whack and the rest of my life is just like lame. Um and I, I don't do well in it. So I always have to be creative. Like through college I did theater, out of college I continued doing theater, got more into like commercial work and film work and then moved to LA. I was really fit and I did some modeling and then I got behind the camera and was a photographer for a while. And then as I was a photographer, I discovered I liked making the garments for the models that I worked with a lot more than taking the pictures and that was kind of like one of the catalysts that got me into sewing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you have such an effusive personality, like you're really silly, you're really warm. And, you know, I think your theater background really shows. Um, And I wonder the degree to which you feel like some of that comes into play now, even though, you know, and we'll talk about your day job as well, but neither of them are really theater related or speech related. But I do think that uh, some of your success, at least, has come because of those skills. You know what, Abby? Absolutely. Um, anyone who um, you and I are chatting about, but when I get into an in-depth conversation about this with people who know me, um, it's almost like all of my other creative outlets and my creative journey has prepared me for this right now. Because um, I'm able to like pick from all of them, from my understanding of photography as a photographer, that um, I know how to post um, 
good photos and composition and white balance. And then my theater and public speaking background allows me to do presentations and speech and to do videos. So it's all, um, it's all blended weirdly in this Mr. Domestic world, which is um, super exciting that I get to use all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. So how did you discover that there was like a sewing world online? Because like I teach locally, I teach people to use their sewing machines, you know, in a class uh, here in my town. And it's interesting because these are people no, you know, no for the context of sewing, no idea about it. They're just beginning and they have no idea that there's like a sewing world online. Like they don't know that there's patterns. They don't know like that you can go on Pinterest and all of that stuff. So it's brand new to them. They'd have never heard of Craftsy, you know, so it's really interesting. And I wonder how you got there. Yeah, I hadn't either. It's almost like it's this, um, like the secret club that there's not like a, the name of it outside and you know, to go in that door to get in the club. But, um, really I I was posting stuff on Facebook when I first started sewing clothes and then, um, I didn't want to build, another website for just posting my sewing stuff. And I was doing so much that I was like, Hey, let me try out Instagram. Cause I wasn't really active on Instagram. Then I thought it was just people who posted their Facebook pictures there. And I didn't see the point of like double dipping. So I just used Instagram to post all of my, my sewing pictures. And, um, lo and behold, as soon as I started doing that, like gradually I started, like meeting people who would comment or um, like follow me that I thought were interesting that were sewists and makers. And um, there was just a trickle effect with there. And then eventually I was like, oh my gosh, there is a whole like gigantic community online that is like congregated and assimilated of like makers and crafters and sewists that uh, kind of blew my mind. And it still blows my mind the vastness of it today. Yeah. So you are truly an Instagram native sewing person. (laughs) That's fascinating. So it wasn't as though you stumbled. For a lot of people, the story is I stumbled on this one blog because I was trying to find out how to do one thing. And from there, I got introduced. That was like the opening of the door. But you started by producing content and then people came to you. Yeah. Like I didn't even know it was out there. I like I didn't even know that there was something like that to try and look for. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was really cool that it discovered me. Right. Okay. So you were sewing clothes back then, and we what? were talking about um, Helena, your daughter, who's now four and a half, um, who was pretty young back then, maybe right. right? right. And you yeah. thought, okay, I, I'd like to be able to do this for her as a way to connect with her. And um, did you think maybe? I mean. So were you thinking maybe this could become a business? I mean, was there, when, when did that sort of happen and, and was it, oh, maybe I'll sell dresses, you know, like I'll sell finished ones or have like a boutique or something like that? That was actually my first, cause I'm very business minded as you know. And like, um, as I, I, from the feedback that I was just getting on feedback, people wanting to buy stuff and really liking what I was putting out immediately I, um, went to, I put my MBA brain on and I did a business plan, like in a five year plan with goals and a mission and a vision. Then it was all about, um, the end result was having a local boutique of clothes that I designed and like produced, but it's, it's, that has shifted. The business plan has become fluid to where, um, the Mr. Domestic brand has become something different altogether and bigger. Um, so now it's all about like, um, maximizing, the online communities. But yeah, originally I thought it was going to be a boutique and now it's just, um, 
it's something different. Yeah. So did you try selling finished, you know, finished dresses or finished? Yeah. Clothes? I mean, I would, do, I would do like one offs. Like mm-hmm. people, I'd be like, Hey, you want it? I'll make you one. No problem. And then there were some dresses that like really hit and I would, um, make them for like three or four people and sell them. But honestly, like, um, I'm grateful that Mr. Domestic has shifted because I, I discovered that I don't like that aspect of the commerce so much. Um, it, like the, making something and selling it. I just, it's, it's not as gratifying as like the other commerce areas that I've discovered mm-hmm. with community, like teaching and patterns and now fabric design. I really, really like those, but the commerce of like selling something I've made, I much rather would now just give it away to uh-huh. someone. Yeah. Appreciate it. I think that's interesting. I think it requires some experimentation when you first start thinking of a way to make a business out of your creativity. And it's okay to go down these the sort of dead ends where you try it, you know, right. try doing a craft fair, try selling things locally, try Etsy, try, try whatever, and then see how you feel you know, whether you enjoy it or or not. And there's so many ways to do it now. So many, you know, you can monetize YouTube. There's so many different ways. Oh my God. It's insane. The availability of commerce that's out there, the ways to make money. um, Like I wouldn't have even thought like none of my other, I don't know if it's a timing with social media and the internet and technology, but none of my other creative outlets have ever had like a marketplace available with all of these diverse ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's so many options that it's okay to try and sort of yep. see where you land. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so the boutique wasn't going to happen, but um, other things did happen and you came up with this name, Mr. Domestic. I know you were, yeah. you, were you making jam at that time? I was, I was, I was making <laughs> jam and I was like all thinking I'm going to be the next Martha Stewart. <laughs> and then um, it originated from like, um, like a domestic diva. But I was like, I don't want to be that. And so I was like, what else could I be? Domestic Devo? No, Domestic Mister. And then I flipped it and I was like, oh, Mr. Domestic. That sounds rad. And I, I just ran with it. And you just got it trademarked. I did. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. That's wackadoodle. Like, I have a trademark. It's trademarked. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. What made you decide to do that? Because I know it's something people sort of talk about and they're like, oh, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be hard. And they sort of never get around to it, you know? Yeah. I, well, I found it really – I just thought that – like the, the combination of the two words, it's not, um, it's not something necessarily that someone else eventually couldn't come up with. Um, and I just, I saw that I was building a brand. It went from just playing online and making a couple dollars here and there to I'm building a brand that I needed to protect. Like the worst thing that I wanted to do was to have my brand out there in all these avenues. And then when I went to do it later on, not be able to, and having to shift and change my name, like, that would have been really unfortunate. So I was like, you know, I need to just do this just in case who knows what's going to happen to protect it. It's a protection. Yeah. I've thought about doing it and I probably should do it. I know there was at one point, I don't know whether she's still around a Walshy Naps blog in Australia. And Mm -hmm. yeah, a bunch of people were like sending me this link, like, do you see this, you know? And and it was like sewing content too. And Ooh, you know, she yeah. meant no harm, but I was get like, it. get on it, girl. I know. Like, honestly, it's not hard. And it's not that, like, when you think about what you get, it's not that expensive. Like, I went through Legal Zoom and I used all of their team and stuff just to handle everything. But most of that you can do on your own. The trademark application itself isn't, isn't a lot. Okay. 
Yeah, so cool. I, I'll link to Legal Zoom so people can check that out if they do want to see the way you went with it. But you know, it is it is on my list of of, a, of something that should be done at some point. Um, but good for you for for taking that uh, that you know sort of official step. So I think it's fair to say you've kind of approached your business in a more maybe intentional way than some people yep. who um, have started online creating a sewing business. And you talked a little bit about building your brand. So I wanted to yep. know if you could talk a little bit about how you see your brand. What is your brand? What is the mission of your brand? And yeah. sort of talk a little bit about that. Well, um, the mission of my brand is to spread joy and positivity through sewing and fabric play. Like that's the actual, like I have it on my wall. So that, that is, you have that on your wall? Yeah. It's all about like, that's amazing. Like that's uh, and, and really it's like who I am. I'm uber positive. I'm like weirdly positive, and I like I'm very joyful. I'm very grateful for life. So I was like, how can I embody that in a company and a brand? So that's that's kind of what it's about. But I do it through like all of these things, right? So um, does that help you? We'll talk a little bit later about like decision making. But does that mm -hmm. help you guide? yourself because you know the other thing about doing this is that it's just you right you don't have yeah. you, you don't have any employees correct not yet okay <laughs> it's <laughs> getting close it's getting close yeah though. It's no, getting I, close. I feel that pain um so <laughs> so right so it's just you and, and you know you have to make all those decisions on your own and it can be hard to know what do i reach for what do i say yes to and i'm wondering whether having that mission actually written down um, helps you in that decision-making moment. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, it allows me, um, and for me, it's like, it's, it's easier because I'm able to get to my intuitive place of whether this is going to actually bring me joy. Cause I think part of spreading joy is being authentic. So it's a reminder for myself and business decisions that I make, whether or not it's joyful for me. But originally, like when I first started, um, I decided to, to use a lot of my MBA skills that I learned that I wasn't able to use in my day job. And so I had focus groups that would help me make decisions on next steps. And they were just people that they weren't necessarily in the crafting community. Some were, but a lot of them I went to school with, people that I knew that I trusted their opinion. Then I would send out surveys to them. Hey, what do you think of this? And they would like scour the market, see what's out there, would help me come up with messaging. Like one example is... Um, how I end my YouTube videos, I say, keep it positive, Mr. Domestic out. That was something that I focus grouped out to with all of these messages, which one resonated more with them. And that was the one that did. Okay. So, so uh, just to get to the nuts and bolts a little bit of how to do this, because I think it's pretty unusual and such a good idea. So, right. um, so, all right, we all have friends, people we went to school with people from back home, friends, relatives, whatever, that we could ask for whether they're in the sewing community or they're not, we could ask for, you know, sort of uh, feedback from. Yep. So, but yep. a lot of us don't do it. Um, so if you uh, on a sort of nuts and bolts level wanted to do that, how do you go about doing this? Do you write an email that goes out to everyone at once? Are you emailing one? Are you getting together with people in person or how do you do this? Well, now, I mean, generally it's like do it through a survey monkey survey, which is a free service. You just can um, devise a survey there and send it out to people to get like quantitative and qualitative data. But um, originally I just asked people like people, there are people that I talk to a lot. Some most of them are, and then some are um, more business associates that I would reach out to. And then um, anytime there would be something new, then I would let them know it's coming. And then I would send them the survey and I'd give them like a deadline of when I needed the results by, and then they would send it back. Mm -hmm. I have about 35, 36 people that are in it. 
That's terrific. And not and and not all of them are are people from within sort of who yeah. have ton, right. Okay. Some of them are just like, you know, would be considered like a newbie who would just encounter yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. And but I do that less now that I have my vision and I'm firm in my brand and my brand identity. I'm allowed I'm able to um come to decisions without having to do that mm-hmm. more now. It's only the big ones that I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, that I, I use them now. Right. I know when I started Craft Industry Alliance with um, Kristen Link, who's my business partner, we did the same thing. So we reached out to a whole lot of different people in all different areas, people who ran trade associations for other industries entirely and asked them, or people who were part of trade associations in other industries as well, like ask them, what they, what the value was, why they joined, what they like best, what, how much they paid, all of that kind of stuff to figure out. That's so awesome. That's so legit. And I knew that I could tell this about you. I can tell by the way that you (laughs) operate that you do stuff like this. Like it's really exciting because it's so helpful and it's so simple. And that's why, um, it, it doesn't, um, disappoint. It makes me sad for people who are struggling, trying to make a business out of this that don't, um, either know to do business things or, desire to do stuff that they don't necessarily like. Like this isn't the fun stuff in it, but you have to do it when you're running a business. I wish that everyone would do these kind of things because I feel like there's enough success out there for everyone. I want to take a minute now to learn a little bit more about Make Modern, the sponsor of today's episode. And here's a little conversation with the business manager at Make Modern. My name's Lara and I'm the business manager for Make Modern Magazine. And what is Make Modern Magazine? Make Modern Magazine is a digital magazine that's published every two months. It's written by a small team of passionate modern quilters in Australia, including myself. And then we also have a huge team of really amazing quilters from all over the globe who contribute patterns and articles to each of our issues. Oh, wow. That's terrific. Okay. So this is a digital only magazine. That's right. So what you get is a PDF of the magazine and you can read it on your phone or your tablet or your computer. And then you can print off any any copies of the patterns as you wish. Each issue has between 10 and 14 modern quilt patterns and then 10 to 14 feature articles. So these include regular columns by uh, quilt math expert Alice from Blossom Heart Quilts, as well as a quilt business column by Angie from Gnome Angel and an agony art column, which is just hilarious by the very glittery Molly Sparkles. And is there like a specific Australian bent to it? I mean, it's neat because I think people um, don't often get to read media from Australia and other parts of the world. That's right. So when we started in 2014, um, myself, Jane, our editor, and Christy, our creative director, we discussed the fact that there wasn't, there was lots of modern quilting Uh, literature available, but nothing was really focused on the Australian market and what was happening in Australia. And we really wanted to be a sort of driving force in the modern quilt community in Australia, particularly. What we're offering is a free six-month trial. So you do need to fill in your PayPal or credit card details, but it won't charge you for the first six months. So you'll get three issues of our magazine and then you can cancel at any time. And as long as you cancel before those first six months is up, it won't charge you. But if you'd like to continue your subscription, of course, um, you just leave it and it will charge you after the first six months. Thank you so much, Make Modern. And now back to my conversation with Matthew. Absolutely. And the other thing that it reminds me of is a couple of years ago, I called 
I think 18 of my blog readers and had a 15 minute conversation with each of them and then sent them a free pattern as a thank you, but just asked oh. them, I just asked them to like, tell me about my blog and like, ask, what a great yeah, idea. and like what media they consume. I just, it was so helpful, totally changed everything that I was doing. So it was great. Um, so yeah, just talking to people, it's so simple, but it's such a good idea. So right. yeah. Okay. So, and you're really good at collaborations, brand collaborations, um, which has been, which is, you know, maybe more so than selling a dress directly to a person collaborating with a brand is something that it seems like you just love. And you, you know, you've partnered before this um, art gallery fabrics, uh, fabric design deal came about, you were partnered with art gallery for a long time using their fabrics exclusively in your yep. work. Um, yep. And then also, you know, Tara Curtis's Wefty Needle, which you really helped popularize with your beautiful fabric Aww, weaving. Thanks. And then with RFL Threads, with your toolbox, I know you've worked with Brother and there's more. I mean, it, yep. there's a lot of collaborations. It's all, it's all been strategic. Like, it's funny. Um, thank you for identifying that, but it's funny. It's a, It was a beautiful comment, but... Um, on my most recent um, blog post announcing someone had said how uh, me becoming a fabric designer was like a fairy tale. Um, and they totally meant it complimentary, but um, the way that that I took it or what made me think was that um, there was a lot of hard work that people just aren't aware of. And one of them was my intentional collaborations with people. And it started with Art Gallery Fabrics realizing that there was a way to connect with them and collaborate. Um, and that, that got me started thinking about other potential collaborations. And I kind of operated on the online world like I do in real life. And I um, used the art gallery collaboration when I was their socialite only to model my other ones after because it was super successful. And um, more people need to do that. Like uh, a lot of people, let's talk about Instagram, will use someone's fabric or use a product and post a picture hoping that they'll repost it because reposting is big for like, um, like brand identity and growth, but people don't do that. Um, and don't collaborate and don't get the information. I would reach out. I would ask what you're looking for in pictures. I would, uh, study the aesthetic of their pictures and try to make it in the vein of what they already post and make sure that they were good quality. And there would be a lot of conversations before, like I collaborated with them mm-hmm. and people just need to reach out to these businesses. If they, especially if they want to grow their brand, everyone wants to help. There hasn't been a single person that's been like, no, I don't want to help you. Right. Okay. So let's talk about this art gallery one first. So you were the socialite. Were you the first one, the only socialite that they've had? I was um, their first, first official one. I know that Maureen Cracknell um, used them exclusively for a while before she was a designer, but um, okay. She wasn't like an ambassador or socialite. Yeah, I was the first. I was the Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, so you were like an ambassador, and but they gave you yeah. that other term um, instead. <laughs> um, and so, and and you you so that meant that you sort of were were using their fabrics for all of your projects and tagging them and doing you know running some programs on their site as well throughout a year. It was like a year long collaboration. Yeah, well, um, it's still going. It's still it's ongoing so with our okay. Yeah, it's just and and that was actually an, the the right partnership for me. Like when I sat down and I thought I was like, you know what, this I do feel like they're the best fabric out there. No, like no, um, like not n- no um, negativity towards anyone else. But I liked the substrates. I liked the the prints, the style, the aesthetic. It just made sense for me to make that partnership. And so yeah, I I was fine going um, exclusive with them. It made okay. sense, right? And then and did that help you? I mean, what did you see a noticeable 
growth on your, for example, your Instagram followers or just sort of overall awareness of your brand as a result? I mean, absolutely. It allowed me to connect with their designers and have conversations with their designers about what they are looking for in pictures. And um, more importantly, what it did for me is it, it kind of locked down that category of a business to have a collaboration with. I was like, okay, fabric's done. And then I expanded. I was like, what else is out there? What other businesses and products are out there that I would want to connect with? Um, I would, and I, of course, shot for the best. And I feel like I got the best in every single avenue. Um, but it allowed me to be intentional and strategic about creating these business partnerships that right. I think are important. They didn't just happen. They were things that were nurtured and developed and that became something that we partnered in. Right. And you met, I know you sort of connected with the RFL people at QuiltCon, mm-hmm. I think. Right. Um, right. And so, I mean, is this one of these things where you're coming up to them and being like, you know what I would really like to do? Or you're just being you and they're noticing or, or you know how what? is I'm, it working? I'm just being me, Abby. This is like one thing that I do, and I even did this with you whenever you followed me. Um, you need to know who the influencers are in whatever category that you're focused on, right? Rega- regardless, whether it's sewing or something else. You need to know the influences, influencers on social media and blogs, etc. And I knew you were one. Um, <laughs> and anytime, anytime someone would like follow me, um, which I would track, then I would reach out and I would just say hi. Uh huh. Inter- introduce myself. It's not for the purpose of like trying to make a connection or get anything. It was just I want, I want, I want, I want to know who you are. I want you to know me, um, and just develop a relationship. Yeah. And. Um, some of those relationships developed into a partnership. Some have it and they're beautiful and I love them because they're not for that intention. But um, that's something that I do. It's something so simple as sending a message saying, hi, um, I think you're totally awesome. I'm Matthew. Just want to introduce myself. That's what I'll do. And then it just starts from there. Right. Absolutely. I think businesses are really, especially small businesses, are really built one relationship at a time. Yep. And you do need to to work hard to build those. And it is not... I mean, it may look like a fairy tale, um, like a fairy tale ending or something like that. Right. But, but the reality is, is that every one of those relationships requires work and requires nurturing and, you know, is a conversation, is an email, is a phone call or whatever. So yep. um, there is a lot of stuff that goes on <laughs> before. Right, right. But what makes it so much fun specifically in this community is everyone is so awesome. Like everyone, I would say like 99.8% of the people are just like super rad goobers like us and like love to do this and have fun and make connections. Um, so it's been really, it's, it's filled my spirit cup, like ever since I started. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to be in an industry that's really based around creative passion, which is what our industry is. So, um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about before we move on from collaborations about Tara Tara Curtis and the wefty needle. So she, Uh, um, I, I love Tara and I, I wrote a, um, an article about her for modern quilts unlimited magazine, I think a little while back. And, um, it was right before sort of, uh, she had the Wefty like yep. manufactured and she was still like um, printing them on the 3D yeah, printer. She, she was a 3D printer. And, right, right, um, right. Yeah, it was just so exciting to talk to her right on the cusp of this huge success. And so what, you know, it's interesting because you took the tool that she has and you came up with all kinds of really innovative, beautiful designs that you made oh, with it. And um, and I, you know, I I wondered whether people sort of, 
There's got to be a le- at least a little bit of tension there, though, because people probably think like it's your tool or something like that. I don't know how how mm. you've handled that feeling of like it's Tara's and she's awesome and you love it, but it's like a little bit. It's almost like is, did you come up with this idea of weaving? No, it's her. You know what I mean? So, right. You know what? It was. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. There, it was there in the beginning. Now, not so much. And she's one of my favorite friends. Like, I love her to pieces. Like, we, like, literally text all day long and FaceTime occasionally and stuff. But originally, since it was so new, people didn't know. And they would, like, attribute. Right. Like, I remember one, one person, one company um, made some comment about how Tara taught me everything that I knew in weaving. And I was like, what? I was like, um, rewind. And Tara and I joked about it. So there was some confusion back in the day but now i think people understand it she's um, i'm glad that she changed her branding to wefting needle so that people can identify that with her right we had we had conversations about that i thought that was important um and eventually like i'm trying to get her to um to make a mr domestic version of the wefty (laughs) that's going to be like some kind of glitter like color (laughs) (laughs) i think that would be fun um but yeah now now there's not so much tension if i if anyone ever tries to start some shade between Tara and I, it's not <laughs> going to happen. Happening. We love we love each other. Yeah. She's my sister. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that you talked about that because I think it, you know, I think it's got to be a question some people out there right. probably have right. who are following along. So I know I was having it. So I think um, I think it's good to hear about. Oh so. yeah, people did. It was it was weird. Yeah, because it was so, so unique that um, we got interchanged a lot. But right, you know, it's beautiful. It's, beautiful marriage we're married forever yay okay perfect so um, so I I mean you can't say yes to everything and I know I mean when you're you you've kind of had this wonderful crescendo of success and you know people take note and people who are smart see who the influences are as you were saying and they reach out um but if you said yes to everything you would have no time to make anything or to do anything else and so you must say no to things and so tell us a little bit about how you decide to say no and how you say no, like how you feel about that. Um, it, it feels gross. <laughs> it feels gross. Um, I don't think it's ever going to not feel gross, but I'm getting more comfortable um, in saying no, just because I know what saying yes would, would subtract from. Um, it's like I have, I have 40 hours a week that I have to devote to my day job. Like that's taken, right? And then I have a daughter. She needs my attention. She's older. I have to interact with her. And then I have my husband in my marriage and then like my sanity. And I've made my health a priority, right? So those are the, the, the givens. So if I say yes to something, knowing that it's going to take away from any of those, I have to say no. Whereas before, when this first started, because it was kind of, it kind of snowballed really fast, Mr. Domestic did, that I, I was saying yes to everything. So can you and, give us, give us a timeline of like, when you say really fast, snowballed really fast, give us like a brief timeline of when it started into, you know, sort of when it took off and, and how quick that happened. Um, well, I mean, if follow, I, I don't use my followers as a metric. I use like my, um, my email subscribers and stuff and my, my traffic to my blog as a, um, as a, my main metrics, but let's take Instagram for, for instance, like Instagram, I've been on it for like two years and it, it, the first year it was, it landed at like 15,000. Now I'm at like 33,000, but right away it like blew up. Um, and the big project that I made that, that caused it to blow up was the, the woven denim 
jacket that I made for Helena. Mm -hmm. Like that got so much attention. It was so fast. And like people were coming to me and wanting me to do stuff. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because we all want affirmation, right? Affirmation is awesome. And people asking you to do stuff as a form of affirmation. So it's like I was having to do like overnight working on projects and missing sleep. And I'm 41. Like that doesn't fly anymore for me. Like I just can't do that. Like when you're 20. Um, and that was like the first year. The first year was like a big blur of too many yeses. And then the second year I was like, I have to be more intentional. And I started saying no, but then more people were asking me too. So it's like, I wasn't really slowing down with anything. And now, now this year I know what my priorities are and I have two priorities. One is my fabric design and then two is my YouTube channel. Okay. And those, and those are the two things that I have decided in 2018 that I am going to make sure that I devote energy to YouTube. I have to post a video every week on Friday and then my fabric design. I want to make sure that it's at, at a minimum, the quality that people see in every other aspect of Mr. Domestic. So it's like, I have to give energy to those. So I'm, I'm saying no a lot. Uh huh. Yeah. To make time for these two priorities. Yeah. And I think that's such a good idea at the start of the, of the year to say, well, what do I want to do here? Like what is going to be the best for the business? What's going to make me happy? And picking just those two things, or yep. even, even if it's just one thing and saying yep. that's going to be the number one priority. And so I need to make sure I carve out space and time and for know, it. You know what? Cause you asked part of the question was how I say no. Yeah. And, um, I, I've taken the advice. I watched a Ted talk from Shonda Rhimes. Um, she did like the, the scandal, um, Grey's Anatomy, all of those. And in that Ted talk, she stated that no is a complete sentence. And when she learned that no was a complete sentence, as awkward as it was at first, it made her life much more simpler. Because we as humans innately want to give an excuse. Right. But you can say, no, that's not something I would be able to do. Mm -hmm. I, I throw in it, unfortunately, and there. No, unfortunately, that's not anything I'm able to take on at this moment. Right. And, and just the and flat out no. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's such a hard lesson to learn. And it's so hard. And it was awkward. Yeah. And it's still, especially if it's someone that like I adore. Um, but it's like, I've got to put me first and this is the year of me. So, um, I know I have to say no when I say it. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we, and I'm sure you've gone down this road, say yes, when we mean no, and then yes. we are miserable. The whole project's yes. miserable. Everything's miserable. And my husband's always like, never again, don't take on this kind of yes. thing. You're making yes. everyone we miserable. We all do it. And as soon as I say, oh, how easy it is and comfortable, someone's going to ask me something tomorrow and I'll probably say yes. And like, then me no. Like, <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's so hard. I don't yeah. think it's ever not going to be. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hard. But you're super giving. I mean, one of the things that I I think is also it's almost like a collaboration, but maybe on a somewhat smaller scale that you do is you buy other pattern designers patterns or yep. you buy their products and yep. you are very happy to sew their patterns and, you know, learn a skill from them. If you want to learn a new English paper piecing skill or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, it's similar to what you did with, you know, with the Wefty, but like you'll do it with a whole lot of people. You bought my pin, for example, my sewist yep. pin and posted it. So I love it. it was so cute. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, I feel like I have to, like, it's uh, like, I like admittedly, like when I sit down and like think about what's happened, like all of a sudden there's a brand that I have with a trademark, like that's bananas. Never in my mind did I expect it that something weird has happened with um, Mr. Domestic. And part of me feels like I'm just lucky with the timing that a lot of people needed um, a place to go 
where it's positive. Mm-hmm. And people know when they come to me, it's going to be a positive, joyful experience that right now the world is kind of so gross that we kind of need that. I think I was lucky. And that was part of why I've had the tra- trajectory of my growth. But I'm all about lifting everyone up that whenever I first entered the online world, I noticed um, like digs and competition and I could read between behind the subtext of some people's comments and it was just like it was gross and I even had a troll experience that almost made me like quit all of this because I was like what's going on I was crying in my bathroom and I was like no way I can't do this so I decided at that moment you know what I'm going to be so awesome and positive that there's no room for that and I'm going to lift everyone up with me so I'm just I'm I'm grateful for what I've been given and so I want to share it and I love um, finding new things and patterns to play with and helping people get attention that they might not have gotten um, otherwise. And it just it's just rad. I think mm-hmm. that if we all operated that way, if the world was like that, it would be beautiful. But yeah. I admit, if we all operated that way in this community, which is so special, then wow, imagine what we could all accomplish. Right. So and I'm going to do my little part in that. Absolutely. That positivity is part of your brand and it works super, super well within a hobby-based um, industry, mm-hmm. right? So most people who come to sewing or quilting are coming because they want to do this as a way to enjoy their downtime, their weekends, yep. their evenings. They have a little extra money to spend. They're going to buy these, you know, special materials and tools or go to this um, getaway where they can sit and sew and learn from somebody who really knows their stuff. And it's really a hobby. You know, that's what yep. it's for. And so we are creating materials and supplies and ideas and inspiration for a hobby-based industry. And what matches really well with that is a super happy, warm, positive experience because that goes so well with, you know, leisure time. That's what it's all about. Yep. And I just happen to be that. (laughs) Right. That's just, that's just how, and that's part of like my life journey is that I have learned, like my life hasn't been easy. I don't think anyone's has been easy, but it's been a hard road. And this is like a major catalyst for me. Um, it was a conscious evolution. Um, was my, my one, my sobriety when I, um, decided to become sober in 2006. And then my sister, who was one of my closest allies and advocates passed away. Um, those kind of were a stop and reflect moment that I was like, wow, how am I operating in this world? What do I want to do? How can I be more intentional and positive? And with my sister's passing, I kind of felt like I was living for two now because she also struggled with um, substance abuse that um, at that mo- moment I decided that's when I decided to quit modeling because I didn't want I don't want like the superficial to be a focus. I wanted something with substance to be a focus of, of my world. And um, just one year after the next after the next. And then it just eventually became natural to where I view the world through a positive, happy, uplifting filter. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's more unconscious than conscious now. And um, it's been a, a road and a journey, but I'm so grateful and, and humbled and honored to share it with others. Mm, that's beautiful. And um, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the other aspects of your life, which you're talking about now. So um, so you have a uh, you have a day job and um, and you work in the it's in the pharmaceutical industry. Is that it right? is. It is. I work um, with Gilead Pharmaceuticals in their HIV division. It's actually my dream gig. Like this is a dream too. But it's like I, like my whole world. Like I'm living my best life. Honestly, I had I had this position put on my vision board 
like for years. It was on my vision board. I'm super duper passionate about HIV. I mean, I'm, I'm a gay male. So it's like, I know I've known a bunch of people who, um, back in the day passed away and lost their battle with, um, AIDS. And so it was just something that I, I was like, if I, my ideal job would be working in that. Never thought it was going to happen, but I put it on my vision board and let it go. And then much like a lot of things in my life, serendipitously, one day someone I used to work with like six years ago contacted me wanting to know if I was interested in the position in my area because it was open and he had just started. And I applied and got the job and I was like, wow, this stuff really works. So are you a sales rep? Do you go like to doctor's I, offices? Yeah, I talk, to, I, I talk to doctors and staff and nurses and anyone in the community about um, my products and the disease state. Got and, it. Okay, cool. And so that that's a full-time job. And um, have you had to scale back hours or anything like that since Mr. Domestic took off? Or are you just no, I'm, doing not, I'm not able to. I'm not. I mean, it's my, especially now it's like, I love, I'm so passionate. It's like, I'm just full of passion all day. Um, that no, I mean, there it's like, I have to travel because I, this is where people are shocked that I'm able to do everything that I do. It's like, I travel for my job. I cover three states. I have Oregon, Washington, part of Idaho. I fly two, three days a week. I'm on an airplane that, um, it's just I every moment of my day is filled with something. So like if I'm on an airplane, if I don't have a business plan or something to do for work, I'm working on something like sewing wise. That's why I got into EPP last year. It was a big part of it is that something that was portable and I could take on the plane with me. And a lot of times I'd be sewing on the plane. So I just try to use my whole day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because that is that's a lot traveling is taxing on you, and, oh, you know, and it's hard to do. And, um, and I know that uh, back in the day, right? Did you have a goal to be on Project Runway at some point? I did. That was whenever I first started sewing, I wanted to get on Project Runway. And um, it was always a dream. I loved I loved designing stuff. Like I haven't been doing a lot of apparel design, but I love that. Um, I actually consider myself an apparel sewist. Um, but um, now that I have my daughter and she's more conscious and she's there, I wouldn't want to be away from her. Right. Like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. But, but because of that, that's why I, I taught myself to sew fast was, uh, like I, I strive for 95% for perfection in my projects. I don't ever strive for a hundred. I feel like that last 5% is that steals your joy from anything yeah. you're creating. So it's just all not you worth see it. is that little mistake and it yes. just bugs you forever. It's yeah. Like, uh, so it's like, I, I sewed fast. I didn't realize how fast I sewed until, um, other people started commenting, commenting on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and you, and I, you were sewing like in the evenings, right? Like after uh, work. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's, it's, I devote at least two hours a day to something creative mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a part, it's like, it's plugged into my day in the evenings. Some days I'll get up at five in the morning and I'll head to my sewing room, but I mandate that time for myself and it's allowed me to tap into my intuitive space pretty easily and quickly as opposed to like struggling and having like creative blocks. I don't have those really. Mm -hmm. It's interesting though, because I hear, I heard you just say like, I like to have that time for myself. And yeah. the, the thing is though, right. At a certain, I think I felt that same way as well, where sewing, um, was what I did as time for myself, but then it transitions into becoming a business. Right. And so time for myself is actually time working on my own business. Right. Yep. And that's the struggle. And thanks. I'm glad you pointed that out because I noticed um, last year that that time for myself, I didn't do selfish sewing. I didn't do a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. And I was like, everything was because of a deadline or something that needed to get done or something that I said yes to. 
And that made me sad. It kind of took it took some of the joy away from something that I loved. So this year is another intention is to to do more stuff for myself because it's it's so different. Like when you're creative for yourself, it's different than being creative for someone else. Oh my gosh, it's so it's super different. And I try hard to like not even post those projects. Like I've done the last three projects I've done, I haven't posted anywhere. I'm like, this is just it's not for posting, you know? It's like <laughs> because like you know it it, it that that line gets blurred and then it gets hard to love things the same way. <laughs> so, I mean, it does. I think honestly, we all struggle with it. I struggle with that. Like that honestly is my biggest struggle and creating a business out of this world. And um, I've done it with all of my creative endeavors. And this is the first one where I'm not like angry at it yet. And I don't want to ever be angry at it and get bitter and not want to do it. Right. So it's just, it's a struggle. I think it's especially a struggle for everyone because this is like a visual um, craft, right? And we all post stuff online. A lot of people do. And then you're waiting for that affirmation or waiting to see how many likes you get or comments. And that in itself is a form of currency that takes away, right? Yeah. So um, I feel like we all need to just like do more selfish stuff. It's not about, <laughs> it's, it's not about the post. It's hard. It's a struggle. But. Yeah, it is a struggle. And I, I think I like that the way that you phrase that of it being that affirmation is a form of currency. And we're all sort of measuring how much we have against right. other and that's just poisonous in the end. So, um, so and I know you've been really open about being a father and being gay, being married. But I imagine in the quilting community, as in maybe every community, it's not always easy. In other words, not 100% of people who take that in, um, you know, like a picture of you and your husband kissing your daughter um, are going to accept it or be um, enthusiastic about it. And I wondered if, um, but I also think that through our passionate hobbies like quilting and sewing, we can get exposed to new points of view and new, you know, people who are living a different kind of lifestyle that's still a really good lifestyle and sort of accept it in a new way. So I think you're kind of making that happen as well. But I wondered if you want to talk a little bit about how you've handled, you know, when things aren't perceived so positively. Yeah, it's, um, and it's, it, I mean, it, it hurts, but it starts to hurt less. Um, uh, the first time you mentioned the picture that I posted of my husband and I kissing our daughter, that, um, that post, I think I lost 500 followers. Wow. 500 um, followers is a lot for a lot. I mean, you, yeah, you know, in the scale of things, you have a lot more than that, but that's a lot like right, right yeah, away. And, and I'm and assuming it, it was like it, right away. But, like, now, but yeah. now I don't, I don't, it doesn't like viscerally like upset me. Cause I'm like, whatever. The very first time that occurred, I remember um, I posted a picture of the crafty lumberjacks who are amazing, and they were kissing in front of the love sign in New York City, and I just thought it was a beautiful image, like beautiful. I posted it, and then that something similar happened where I lost a bunch of followers, and I was like, wow, okay. But now, as I'm able to shift my brand and who my, my community is, I call those purger posts. And I don't intentionally do that. But to me, I'm like, okay, I'm getting rid of those people. Like, you know what? Those people, we wouldn't vibe. It's okay. If something like that is going to make you leave my brand, then that's fine. And I just have to accept that because we're not going to love and like everyone and everyone's not going to like us. Um, And I don't want to ever feel like I would have to hide that. Right. Um, As my brand grows, I don't want to ever feel like, oh, well, my brand is like this big now. I can't identify with that anymore. I need to just focus on my relationship with my daughter and not with my husband. I don't want to do that. So 
it's fine. I don't know where this whole thing is going to land with my brand, how big it's going to get. But if that doesn't include people, when they look at a picture of a loving family showing affection um, and think that that's, that's not good, then I, I don't want them in my world. Right. And that's, that's fine. I just have to accept it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You're making me tear up because that's beautiful. And um, amen to that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, that's really. Well, no, and, and I think you have such a good way of um, processing it. And, and that's super positive for you. So, okay, talk a little bit, um, just a few more things. One is about video. I know you mentioned that YouTube is a huge goal for you this year. Um, and I, and you know, you're really working hard to make your YouTube channel grow and investing in it. And I wondered why, like, what do you see about video that you feel like is special is worth, um, your time and energy? Um, the answer is kind of twofold. One is I'm trained in it. Like, I honestly feel like, um, the in-person experience of me, of Matthew Boudreaux, not necessarily just Mr. Domestic, is more enjoyable than like um, just two-dimensional. I think it, I think you need the full experience. And um, I, I've done on-camera work. I've done I've taken on-camera classes. I know how to to work with the camera, and I understand it. So that's part of it. And then the second part, which is a bigger motivator, is that um, my audience has grown so large that anytime I do a new project or a new concept, I get the same question over and over, which is great. I'm awesome. I try to respond to as many as I can, but I, I feel that just by putting a video out, it will answer a lot of those questions and I can just direct people there. And eventually um, my audience will, will just know to streamline, go there. To, to find the question. So it's an easier way, I feel, to answer questions. Okay. What about Craftsy? I'm just thinking, is that a goal? Is that on your goal list? Because I know you have mentioned before um, elsewhere that you would love to have a TV show at some point, which, I I, by the way, I think would be awesome. But it's interesting <laughs> because Craftsy now, as you know, has moved to the subscription model. Um, it's a la carte and subscription. But part of what yeah. they're doing with the subscription model is they are creating some exclusive content that's subscriber only. And some of that yeah. content is much more like a TV show than it is is like an online class. It's more like a documentary show. And they've got a couple, I think there's four or five interviews up now with quilters. That is sort of a sample of what's to come. Um, and I just thought, you know, and, and I know with, with Angela, they've done uh, the Midnight Quilt Show, which is a YouTube yep. series, but it's more like a TV show than it is like an official sure formal online class. So is this something that you have your, your eyes on in the future? It's, it's something that I'm aware of. And okay. it's something that I know, I know, well, I'm aware of it because I know that a couple of people, um, of my allies, like, like everyone, like my supporters who currently work with Craftsy have unbeknownst to me, um, told them that they need to connect with me. <laughs> and, um, I've, I've superficially connected with them. Um, when they started to follow me, it was briefly after that. And this is when I just let the universe do what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. This is one of those situations where it's like, if that's meant to happen, I mean, if Craftsy's listening to this and you want me to come film for you, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, I'm really satisfied with status quo also, and I'm really grateful right. for it. So if status quo is what continues, then I'm jazzed about that too. So I'm open to it. I'm open to whatever. Right, right. Okay, cool. And then what about um, what about writing a book though, or, how, or producing like patterns that you sell under your brand? Yeah. That's where it's like, it's a time thing. Like Tara and I have been talking for a year about writing a, we a fabric weaving book together. And I really want, I think it would be really fun to do that with my friend. And I think that would be a good first book. But, um, 
it's it's like where I need the time to I need the time to do it (laughs) yeah so maybe like that was supposed to be a 2018 priority but we haven't like jumped on it yet so maybe it'll be a 2019 priority yeah um but that's definitely I I want to I think that they're neat like how cool is it so like look I've got a book like that's just cool (laughs) yeah no it is cool and it still means something in this day and age you know it still is meaningful it's also another way to answer questions like for Mm -hmm. she and I our motivation for wanting to do that it's like we like to, once again to answer all those questions that people have about fabric weaving. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. Um, and so I want to make sure we get to your recommendations. You've got a couple cool things to recommend. The first one I've been following as you've been working with this product on Instagram, making these three dimensional fabric pieces that are then mounted on a background and yeah, they're like origami. Yes. Okay. If you can imagine origami, but made with fabric. Um, and it's really amazing. So how do you say this? Is it Tyrael magic? It's Tyrael magic. Okay. Yeah, what is a, this? It's um, a fabric stabilizer that you spray on. It's not starch. You spray it on the fabric and it, by following their instructions, the fabric turns into like paper. And it doesn't fray. It um, it it moves like it moves like fabric paper. Like it's still fabric, but it's um, it holds shapes like paper. It's just it's crazy. I'm obsessed with it. I go down rabbit holes generally when I become obsessed with something new and innovative. And this one is like I can't get over that I can suddenly play with fabric like I would play with paper. Wow. Uh, so so you spray it on and then do you have to press it to dry it or? Yeah, you spray it on like this, the steps you spray it on, like you soak it to where it gets fully saturated. Then you let it get to damp and then you um, press it with an iron and then it becomes this flat, amazing piece of paper. I They just recently came to um, my house and um, filmed me for some of their promo materials. And um, I'm I'm calling it being terialized when you terialize. <laughs> I was like, y'all can take that. Y'all can take that. It's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah. But it's wild. It's wild. So it's like, when it's you, wild. if you wash it, it's going to wash out? It goes away. Yeah. Okay. And that's another thing. It's like, wow, imagine the pleats like that you could do it for people who make apparel. They would be so precise, like make pleats. So over them, wash it out. Whoa. Like it's just, it's blowing my mind. (laughs) It's blowing my mind. Yeah. Well, I love origami and um, spent a lot of years. I love three dimensional everything. So that's, yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to cut some and try it. It's neat. Super neat. So, um, all right. You also have an Alexa, which you say is a good sewing room companion. I don't have one. I'm a little scared of it. Tell me why you like it. I love it. Alexa. Alexa, don't turn on right now. <laughs> You're saying <laughs> her name. <laughs> I have, so when I'm on conference calls with Kristen, who is my business partner at uh-huh. Captain Industry Alliance, she has an Alexa. And so sometimes Alexa will just start talking to her and she's like, tell it to stop like while we're talking. So right, it can kind like, of if like, I ask her a question, she's yeah. going to answer it. But I see her. She's like, trying, but I love, I like, it's just fun. Fun. Like, and it was like 40 bucks and like, I can tell her to turn on music. I can ask her things. Sometimes we have conversations. She tells me jokes. Sometimes I literally get into arguments with her. Like she's not listening to me. And then Helena will hear and she'll go to my husband and be like, Donna's having an argument with his friend again. <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious that it's like it's something so simple has brought like even more joy to my space. It cracks me up. So my kids will also sit and talk to Siri on my phone. <laughs> And like, 
they uh, they know there's certain questions you can ask Siri that makes Siri say really funny, ridiculous things. Yep. And yep. They, they know what all of them are. So they'll just sit yep. there and make Siri say like really silly jokes and all this crazy stuff. And um, that's like, so they have like games on my phone. And then like one of their games is just talking to Siri. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm sure, fun. I'm sure Helena will do that with Alexa. Yeah. Anytime I, anytime I tell her to go say something to her, she's like a little nervous, but I'm sure eventually she won't be nervous. No. And then she'll steal my new best friend. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then your last recommendation is white coffee, which I have to yes. confess I've never had. So what is that? Okay. Anyone who likes caffeine, like, which is 99% of, uh, of the people who, um, do crafting that, um, it's, it's coffee beans that have been super lightly roasted to where it's almost like unroasted. It's not like a light roast. It's like barely roasted. And it's very buttery in flavor. It brews like yellow. It tastes buttery, caramelly. It doesn't taste like traditional coffee. But since um, the roasting is what expands the coffee bean, so the coffee bean is super duper dense. And it has, I, I swear, at least three times the amount of caffeine as regular coffee. Like the very first time that I drank it, um, I went home and I, I've never done this before, but I steamed my drapes. It just seemed like a good idea. <laughs> so I just steamed my drapes and I was like, what did I just do? It, it was crazy. So I encourage everyone to at least seek out and try white coffee. I bought it on Amazon and get it shipped to me. Um, it's amazing. Wow. <laughs> yes. This is, think of all the productive material oh magic. Think of all the material magic, like folding I could be doing if I was actually like drinking the right coffee. Oh my goodness. Okay, cool. That sounds great. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Wall Street Naps podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh my gosh, you're rad. Thank you for inviting me. Yay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Wall Street Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, wallstreetnaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter newsletter to get the very best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. Today's episode was sponsored by Make Modern Magazine. Make Modern Magazine is a digital magazine, especially for modern quilters. To learn more, join their Instagram community at Make Modern Magazine or visit their website, makemodernmagazine.com.au. To see their complete pattern gallery, purchase back issues, or subscribe. Don't forget to sign up to our exclusive six-month trial subscription just for Walshing Apps listeners at www.makemodern.com.au slash Walshing Apps. Thank you so much, Make Modern. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time.